Okay, we are in the book of Acts, chapter 24. And as a way of, of, of recalling, Paul is, is imprisoned here in Caesarea. He's standing trial now before Felix. And it, we've already covered some of what he has said. It's a short discourse of what he said. And then he, he gets down into verse 21. It says, Other than for this one statement, Acts 24:21, which I shouted out while standing among them, for the resurrection of the dead I am on trial before you today. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. And then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. So, Felix was a fairly corrupt procurator. He ruled Jerusalem, but his headquarters were in Caesarea, two days' travel, about 65 miles from Jerusalem, uh, 65 miles uh, uh, west of Jerusalem and a little bit north. And it says that while he was making his defense, and in the middle of it, Felix cut him off. It says in verse 22, Felix having a more exact knowledge about the way. The way, remember, was an expression used for uh, uh, the following of Jesus Christ. Felix knew a fair amount about it because he had been procurator for some time, and prior to that, he had been one of the military commanders in Jerusalem. So he was well aware of this following of of Jesus Christ. Now, Felix, as we had talked about before, was rather corrupt. He he had, uh, uh, and he was a very lustful man. He had taken his wife, Drusilla, away from her husband. When she was quite young, he had taken her away. Uh, And... and, uh, uh, We see some of this corruption here as well. And he said in verse 22, he says he had a more exact knowledge of the way he put them off, saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes, I will decide your case. Now, he never sends, as far as we can tell, for Lysias, the commander. And already he didn't have to send for him. Lysias, the commander, or Lysias, the commander, had already written a letter back in Acts chapter 23 and gave the conclusion of what he could glean from the situation. And that's in Acts 23, verse 29. Lysias said, I have found him to be accused over questions about the law, but under no accusation deserving of death or imprisonment. So the commander had already spoken. He says, I don't find anything wrong in this man. The reason I'm sending him to you is because I found there's a conspiracy against his life. And so I'm sending him to you to decide what should we do. But by his written word, he had already said... I have nothing to do with this man because he's done nothing wrong. There's some argument between him and some of the Jews about their own law, but it has nothing to do with us as Romans. There's been no offense against the Romans. 
he's not deserving of death or even of imprisonment in any way. And so you see, Felix is using this false thing to just keep Paul in prison. How do you think Paul feels about all this? If you are treated wrongly in life, just remember, you will not be the first one to have been treated wrongly in life. Other people have gone through this, and it is not there to destroy your faith. If anything, it's there to build you up and draw you all the closer to Jesus. And so he never, Felix never even sends for the commander. And he gave orders to the centurion to keep Paul in custody. So Paul is kept under house arrest there, but he has some freedom so that his friends could visit. Well, we understand then why he gets these freedoms so that his friends could visit, so that his friends could bring him some money, and so that Paul could use that money to bribe Felix. This is part of Felix's motivation, it says. It says that, that in verse 26, at the same time he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul, therefore he used to send for him quite often and converse with him. He sent for Paul in order to have Paul pay him. Now, Paul may have had access to a fair amount of money. Paul says in, in Philippians uh, 4, 11 through 13, he says, he says that I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I know the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul had learned how to live in abundance, and to live in, in need. He had learned both, both ways. And it's not easy to live in either of those. I think it's actually hard to live in abundance and remain faithful to God. The, 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 the proverb writer in Proverbs chapter 30, he prays a prayer. In, in Proverbs 30, he says, Let me not become so rich, O Lord, that I might deny you and say, Oh, who is the Lord? And that can happen as you become too rich. You can deny God and just say, oh, who needs God? He says, nor let me become so poor that I have to steal and therefore defame the name of my God. Paul said, I've learned to live on either extreme. And Paul had a lot of friends. But Felix, you see his corrupt nature. It says in verse 24, some days later, we know how many days Paul had spent now in, in, in custody. Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess. Drusilla was not a Jew by, by upbringing. She, she had, there, there was a, a conversion to Judaism, so she was called a Jewess. And uh, uh, he was, she was the one that he had taken away from her former husband in his lustful moves. And here, being procurator, he could do this sort of thing. And it says that they sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ. So when Paul was coming before him, as far as Paul was concerned, he had already made his defense before Felix. He had already made his defense before, before Lysias. He, this was done. It was a done deal as far as Paul was concerned. So he used the opportunity to speak about faith in Christ. He'd come before Felix, Felix hoping that there would be money given him. But Paul would use the opportunity to speak about faith in Christ because Paul felt, I've already given my defense. The guy didn't want to hear it. He wants to keep me here. But you notice that Paul never pays the guy off. In, in verse 27, it says that Paul had been left there in prison. And, and this was a two-year period. So he'd been left there for two years, it says in verse 27. But after two years, so two years, he had been falsely accused and falsely left in prison, waiting to pay the guy off. He wouldn't give a bribe. Wouldn't do it. But he used the opportunity 
to share his faith. This was what was spoken by Paul on the day of his conversion. Jesus said to him, remember, on the, on the road to Damascus, he said to him that you are going to speak before leaders and kings. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. You will speak before leaders and kings. Here he's doing it. So Paul recognized this as part of his calling. I think that if we would recognize the daily experiences that we go through as part of our calling, we would be a lot better off rather than looking at it as my two years of imprisonment. I mean, you'd think that after a while, Paul would get pretty antsy about this whole thing. But for two years, he gets sent for periodically by Felix. And, and, and Felix's wife would hear this. Now, what was Paul telling him in his sharing of his faith? Verse 25, But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. And then it says, Then he would invite him back periodically. So Paul wasn't just saying, You know, this Jesus who died, He really loves you. He looks upon Felix with tremendous love. He's loved Felix from Felix's mother's womb. He's loved you. And he cares for you. And he wants you. He wants you to come to himself. Oh, Felix, the love of Jesus, you should know it and embrace it. I mean, it had nothing to do with this. Paul knew exactly what this man needed. He spoke to him righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. He witnessed what this man needed. Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. So much so that Felix became frightened and he says, go away. Go away for the present and I'll call you back when I need you. He frightened the procurator. Who is this Jewish guy imprisoned that he should speak a word that frightens the procurator? That this procurator could just speak a word and Paul is dead. But Paul is frightening him with his words. He's speaking forth righteousness, judgment, righteousness, uh, righteousness, self-control, and judgment. Righteousness, the things that are right you should do. This is the things that are right. Self-control. Felix, you have a problem with self-control. You've had multiple wives. You have a problem with lust. Speaking about things. We don't know how directly, but so directly, he speaks of the judgment that Felix gets afraid. Look at how the gospel is packaged for the individual. For the individual, it is packaged. When I was 18 years old, I was in college as a freshman. And a young man said to me, I want to share an illustration of the gospel. And he sat down with me and he opened the Word of God and he started to share with me. And he said, we are all sinners. And I said, I am not a sinner. And I didn't come from a Christian home, so I had no idea about what sin was and what sin wasn't. I just knew I hadn't killed anybody. So I said, I'm not a sinner. And he opened up the Word of God. And Jesus said, if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart. And it was as if something just hit me, that I was a sinner. This word that he shared with me was absolutely packaged for me. Because I had this addiction to pornography. Magazines at the time, there was no internet, nobody had 
personal computers. It was all magazines. And it just keyed right in on my life. And at that moment, I knew that I was a sinner. Something happened from that verse. And then a month and a half later, when I got saved, the, the whole thing of pornography was broken from my life. The very verse that God had used to convict me, He used to deliver me. But this idea that we somehow only speak about the love of God and the mercies of God and the kindness of God is not at all scriptural. Scripturally, we have a balance of all of this. Look in, 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 in Psalm, Psalm chapter 7. Psalm chapter 7. And David is writing here about sinners, about people who are rebellious before God. In Psalm chapter 7, it says in verse 11, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. A God who has anger every day. God is a righteous God and a God who has anger every day. If a man, in verse 12, does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. And as he has bent his bow and made it ready, he has also prepared for himself deadly weapons and he makes his arrows fiery shafts. Look at what Charles Spurgeon says in reflecting on this passage, where it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. He says, we have no insensible or stolid God to deal with. He can be angry. No, He is angry today and every day with you, ye ungodly and impenitent sinners. The best day that ever dawns on the sinner brings a curse with it. You know, this is pretty strong. Then he comments on the verse that says, God is angry. He says, the original expression here is very forcible. The true idea of it appears to be in the froth or foam at the mouth with indignation. And then reflecting on the verse, he turns not, he will wet his sword. He comments, God's sword has been sharpening upon the revolving stone of our daily wickedness. And if we will not repent, it will speedily cut us in pieces. Turn or burn is the sinner's only alternative. You know, this is pretty strong. Turn or burn is the sinner's only alternative. He had bent, has bent his bow and made it ready. And it is safe, to, and is it safe to be there where the arrows of God are ready to fly about our ears? How has the apostle, how was the apostle afraid to be? Well, that, that, that's a step portion. He says. Moses said, Depart, saith God by Moses, from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, lest ye be consumed in their sins. How have the baskets of good figs suffered with, with the bad? It is not prejudicial to the gold to be with the dross. Is it not prejudicial with the, of the gold, for the gold to be with the dross? There is a judgment that comes, a judgment that comes from God upon the sinner. And when we mess around... When we mess around too much with sin, there is a judgment that comes upon us. Just because we are in the Lord does not give us free will to do willy-nilly whatever we want. Us all the more. Look in, in Proverbs. In Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. And you look at this judgment that Paul was able to speak these words. 
that were frightening, absolutely frightening to Felix. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says in verse 20, Wisdom shouts in the street, she lit, shouts in the street, she lifts her voice in the square. This is Proverbs 1 verse 20. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. Oh, how long, O oh naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. And fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. I mean, these are really strong words. Paul spoke about righteousness and self-control and judgment. God calls us to a righteous life. God calls us to lives of self-control. And God warns us about the judgment to come. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Jesus said that. These are strong words. If you take this book, you will be blessed. And he says, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? So there are ones who are naive. They don't know about this. And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing. There are others who hear it and ah. And fools hate knowledge. That's an extreme case. You, you, you hear it and you just hate it. But you see, there are three categories. But the judgment for them, the outcome for their not listening, is all the same. It doesn't say, oh, you who, who just have this... this little bit of, of being naive will have it less bad than the ones who hate it. The outcome is the same. If we do not listen, if we do not heed the things that are written in this word, it says if you neglect them, if you don't listen to them, he's going to come and he's going to laugh when these judgments come upon you. That's exactly what it says. That's exactly what the scriptures say. There are these judgments that come. The scriptures are very clear about this sort of thing. Now look in Proverbs chapter 2. In Proverbs chapter 2, he continues on this thought. Proverbs chapter 2, start reading from verse 10. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your souls. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil. Look what he's saying. He says, if you listen to this book, you will be delivered from the ways of evil. You will be delivered from who? In verse 12. You will be delivered from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil, who rejoice in perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flat flatters with her words. If you listen to this book, you will be delivered, the Bible says. If you listen to these words, you'll be delivered. If you don't, you will fall into utter perversion with men who are perverse. And then you will fall into adultery. And if you don't think this is a real problem, you don't understand the problems in the church today. Half 
the people in churches today undergo divorce. Half the people. The amount of immorality in churches is huge. Huge. And the Bible says, if you follow this book, you can be protected from this. If you don't, you will fall into it. It is very precise and very clear. Look in Proverbs chapter 5. Let's read from verse 7. In verses 1 through 6, he talks about the adulteress. Now verse 7, he says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Proverbs 5, 7. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of an alien. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your blood are consumed. And you say, how I hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. So look what he says. The way you avoid these things, it is so specific, he could not have been more clear. He says, don't go near the door of her house. Don't go near these situations that will cause you to fall into sin. Don't go near it. Then he says, he says that if you do, here's what's going to happen. Your vigor and your years are going to be given to the cruel one. Strangers are going to be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods are going to go to the house of an alien. I have seen so many men fall into adultery and they lose everything. They lose everything. This is nothing to mess around with. And he speaks to us righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. You think there's not going to be a judgment? There will be a huge judgment. And the judgment that will fall upon the believer is this. I will tell you because I've seen it with my own eyes, with many believing men, men who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and He's risen from the dead and who call Him their Savior. This is what happens to them when they fall into adultery. They lose everything. They lose their wife, they lose their family, they lose their kids, they lose their home, they lose their job, they lose everything. And their hard-earned goods end up in the house of an alien, end up in the house of another person. Could the writer of the scriptures been more explicit and been more clear? He says, you will groan at your final end. It'll be like, oh, why did I do this? When your flesh and your body are consumed, how's that for disease? And you will say, how I hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I've not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to instruction. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. And they lose all their dignity. Because everyone in the congregation ends up knowing about it. And dignity is lost. It is very clear. Proverbs chapter 7 talks about the same sort of thing. Talks about the young man going in the direction of the harlot. In verse, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. For at the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive, and I discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. So what are we going to read about now? We're going to read about what a stupid young man looks like. So it teaches you what to avoid. Verse 8. Passing through the streets near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, in the darkness. 
And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurking by every corner. So she seizes him and kisses him, and with brazen face she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings today. Today I have paid my vows. Therefore I come out to meet you to seek your presence earnestly, and I found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves in caresses, for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey and taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon he will come home. And with her many persuasions she entices him, and with her flattering lips she seduces him. So, let's look at what happens. She, he happens to go out in her direction. That was the first problem with this stupid guy. He went out in her direction. It was pretty harmless. I just happened to be going... I'm just going for a walk, and it happens to be in the direction of her house. But I'm not so much going to her house, but I'm going in the direction. Problem number one. Avoid going near where there could be a problem. Avoid it. He happens to pass by her corner. He says, in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night. And behold, a woman just happens to come and meet him. Oh! You happen to be here. Just happen to be walking by her house and just happen to be standing out front and so she happened by. And it says that she seizes him and she says, with brazen face, she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings today. I've paid my vows. So she's a church-going young lady. So all of a sudden he thinks, oh, it's okay because she's a Christian. She's a Christian. She grew up in a Christian home. We're all Christians. Therefore, I've come out to meet you to seek your presence earnestly. Look what happens. Women, I'm telling you, one word from you can melt a man. If you just say one word of flattery to him, he's just, just gone. She just says to him, I've come out to meet you to seek your presence. Oh, it's you. I wanted to be with you. And the guy all of a sudden, whoa, she wants to be with me. I'm all right. You know, she's pretty perceptive here. You know, I am pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm good at talking to people. I'm a good listener. I'm a good listener. And, and it's so easy to just, just grab a guy's heart like that. If, if a young lady says to a young man, um, you have a good sense of humor. Well, you're funny. You're really smart. Wow, you're good at that. I'm telling you, the young man just melts inside. And this is what she did. And young women, you have no conception of the words of your power over a young man. To just say something that to you is quite harmless. But to him, his mind just wraps around this. And for four days, he's just thinking about this. And you've just gone on with your lives. Just quite happily going on and complimenting people. But his mind is just wrapped around this thing. Look at what this guy is going to lose in verse 22. Suddenly he follows her as an ox to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his very life. Whoa. And it doesn't say that this is the penalty that falls upon the unbeliever. There is no distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. 
And in fact, the penalty in this life upon the believer might be even worse, I think. Because we are told over and over and over again. He spoke of righteousness, of self-control, and the judgment to come. You want to know the judgment that comes if we continue to go astray from this word? This is the judgment that comes. He will lose everything. It says in the book of Proverbs that, that um, whoever goes into his neighbor's wife will by no means go unpunished. Wow. I mean, if that doesn't ring fear in you, you need to spend more time with God and reading about judgment. He will by no means go unpunished. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, He who the Lord hates, or other translations are, He who the Lord curses, falls into adultery. Like, God, I don't want to be one that is cursed by you. I don't want to be one that hates you. God calls us to righteous living, to self-control, and to remember there is a judgment. And this isn't only the judgment upon the unbeliever. There are strict words for the naive, as well as the scoffer, as well as those who are haters of God. And the actions bring similar sorts of judgments. If you are a believer, your eternity may indeed be sure. But I'm telling you, you can have an awfully miserable life here on earth. Awfully miserable. You can lose everything if you disobey this word. Turn back to Acts chapter 24. Felix's response in Acts chapter 24, verse 25 is, he got scared and he sent him away and he says, when I have time, I'll summons you. And he says, from time to time, he invited Paul back to hear him. If we do not respond to God's word, if our actions are, are this, that, oh, well, you know, just, just put it aside. Let me, let me not go to church for a while. I don't want to hear that. The word that's spoken becomes fainter and fainter. But the problem still exists. It must be dealt with in repentance and crying out to God for mercies. It must be dealt with. He says, go away for the present. When I find time, I'll come. I'll come back when I find time. You see, it's an excuse to put it aside. Paul is saying, you better hear this. There's something of righteousness and self-control and judgment. And Felix didn't hearken this word. Felix had an uprising of Jews in Caesarea, sent his men, there was a problem that arose, the Jews complained to Caesar, Felix was deposed from his office, brought back to Rome, and I don't remember what his penalty was. But his life didn't go very well after that at all. Paul was warning him. You can't just put aside this word. You can't just do this. We, as believers, have to take hold of this word and hear it. We can't just put it aside and think, oh, well, periodically I'll just pick this up and that'll make me good. It won't make us good. We take this word and we say, oh, God, conform me to this. Oh, God, protect my life. God, work in my life. Lord, bring me the right spouse. May my children live for you. Lord, help me. And you know what God does? He answers prayer. He answers prayer. But you don't see Felix crying out. He just wants to tuck it aside, thinking that 
just do away with this thing. Heed this word, Paul is saying. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment. And when we speak the word of God to people, you may know something about that. Just, just speak the word of God. There are many aspects of the word of God that extend beyond just love. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. Paul spoke of righteousness and self-control and judgment to Felix. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the truth of the Scriptures, for the truth of your Word. You are so good. And I pray, Father, for these young people, for these young lives, that they would take your word to heart. Father, that they would take seriously these words and these challenges and want to live righteously with self-control and they would fear the judgment that would come upon them. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts to conform us to your image, that this word is so sure and so true that if we deny wisdom and turn it aside, wisdom will laugh at the pain that we will go through because of the denial. Father, let us not deny the wisdom that's in Your Word. May we take hold of it. Father, please take hold of these young people. Use them in their lives. Use them mightily. And I give this time to You in the name of Jesus. Amen.